and gentlemen, welcome back to the Woody Allen Retrospective right here on PlanetTyra.com. I am your host, Donald Wonder, and I'm joined by the master of assholes, the master of, I don't know, anything else. Dickheads. Yeah, you said it. Simon Red, welcome back. Yeah, exactly. Get my title right, goddammit. <laughs> I tried to, Simon. I do apologize. Guys, if you were here last time, you know that we're doing this Woody Allen Retrospective. If you were on YouTube and you watched the last movie, we actually spoke about, well, we had a little disagreement about 2000 small time crooks. We didn't see eye to eye on that one. But guys, let us know what you think. Again, go back and watch that discussion. Listen to that discussion if you missed it. There'll be a link in the top hand, right-hand corner of the YouTube card. If you're listening on the podcast, I'll put a link in the description. Guys, we say this on every video, but I must remind you, we've got the WoodyAllenRetro.com website where we've got all the previous videos. We're 30-plus movies in. We're moving forward, and these are all spoiler discussions. A lot of you guys have told me that you only listen to these discussions for comedy. You're not even big fans of Woody Allen, but you like hearing me and Simon banter about the movies. That's <laughs> fine. Fuck Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. We appreciate it. And some of you diehard fans hate us for being so uh, blue-collar about discussing these movies. Well, you know, like I said on the last review, fuck you guys, because we're just having fun with it. And if you don't mind all of that shit and you want us to get on with the show, that's exactly what we're going to do. So, Simon, long outro out of the way. Tell us what the next review discussion is going to be about. You mean intro, motherfucker. Don't you mean intro? Whatever. Like, uh, yeah, already messing up in the first five minutes. Congratulations. Anyway, this week's one is a really good one, in my opinion. Just to mm. give a little forecast. We're talking about the 2001 crime movie so another little change of genre so woody allen called the curse of the jade scorpio and i gotta say scorpion not scorpio <laughs> oh fuck okay keep no, going I'm, no i'm, I'm thinking up about already. xbox okay now yeah. let me do it again no fuck you ain't doing it again you no no, keep no, going. no i'm doing it again fuck oh you, when so. i make a mistake and we want to go on but when you win a mistake we've got to do it again fuck you <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so the curse of the jade scorpion i ain't editing shit Go on. <laughs> nah, you, motherfucker, you better edit this shit. What's enough, it about? What's it about? Enough cussing. Okay. The Curse of the Jade Scorpion. And like the title suggests, this is a, quite a mysterious movie. That's what I really love about it. Woody, once again, goes back in time a little bit to, what was it? 1940s? Yeah. yeah. But that's actually a really intricate plot point of the movie because we're just at the beginning of the decade so 1940 and his character who's a detective so we're dealing with detective woody now <laughs> kind <laughs> Which of is just, a detective kind of because officially he's a master detective okay he's a freaking dick tracy okay. all, right? all right i know he works for an insurance company and looks into insurance <laughs> fraud and theft and all that stuff okay, you know, i'll give but, it to you i'll give but, it to you but but that's the closest thing he's gonna get to humphrey bogart okay sure, sure. which again is a callback yeah. to um play it against sam so I don't know if you caught that reference that he went full circle. I've got a better reference I'll talk about in a minute, but you, you keep going. So C.W. Briggs, and he is an old school detective, a man on the street who has a million friends in a million places. And he doesn't believe in all these new school methods of crime and detective work. You know, yeah. he, he, he has respect for it. He's up to date, but he still thinks there's a lot of old-fashioned values that need to be retained so that's always a classic storyline you know like when it's playing a, blind people on the street to get some tips yeah 
Exactly. That, that, you never knew about that? You know, that, that's a classic, man. I guess. But I think that's already a fun setup yeah. for a movie. You know, we have we have this in every genre. We have this with cowboys. We have, have this, you know, with knights. We have this with anything, really, where a new era is coming in and certain certain things change sure. drastically sometimes. And it's interesting to see a likable character represent, you know, that there are some some values that need to be retained in this new world or this new era as well. But that's just scratching the surface. In a typical Woody Allen fashion, it's a very strong cast overall. So the female lead is Helen Hunt, who plays uh, Betty Ann Fitzgerald, who's the new, I guess, assistant of the boss who's hired to update the firm and get things in order, sort out the paperwork, have a proper file system, and introduce some new methods and some new ideas to, uh, you know, cut down on costs. The boss is played by Dan Aykroyd, who's just a treat to see. I guess this was made before he went crazy and started talking about aliens. And a new Ghostbusters that's going to be better than the original, yeah. Let's not even get into that. Whatever, you know. Hmm. He's good in this one. That's all you need to know. And of course, you know what? This movie actually made me change my mind. You know what's even better than watching Charlie Theron in black and white? For <laughs> Here we go. Here we go, Simon. I knew this was coming. What is it? It's watching Charlie Theron play a 1940s uh, dame from a detective novel for an hour you know i could do that for much much longer woody allen watched celebrity he was like that kevin baroner whatever his name was he had his time with charlie's parent i didn't i didn't yeah exactly he didn't get the call for this one he was like okay uh woody allen when yeah, that was a very really great experience working with you and uh you know <laughs> when you get the cast back you said you want to work with us again and whatever it is whatever genre you know i'm there money's not an issue you know if you struggle with budget just call me and buddy was like yeah 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 he was like yeah fuck you motherfucker you think you're getting another shot you know that was it you had your fun oh he had this he had his fun with his tongue with charlie's firm before so now it's woody's turn to get some and he got, he got one scene, but we'll get to that there. Well, we're still in the intro. I know I'm taking my time. No, that's fine. Take your time. Take your time. But you're turning this into something like, no, 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 motherfucker. This is true art, okay? This is not, not perversion, you know? And again, Charlie Theron, really good performance, okay? And mm. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that it's easy on the eyes, which is a compliment to the cinematography in this movie. I'm just talking about that, okay? Yeah. I'm talking about the artiste inside of me resonates when I see her on screen. You know, clothed or unclothed. We'll get to the main plot points so we can get on with the review. Yeah, exactly. Who, nobody cares about this stuff. So, basically, Woody and Helen Hunt hate each other. Because Helen Hunt is all about let's update everything and Woody's like, you know, I'm still here. And Helen Hunt's like, you know, Woody's character is a schmuck. He's, uh, he pinches women. He relies on these uh, street cred type of methods. He's a bit of a sexist. You know, he's a he's a 1940s guy. Yes. That's Woody really writing a, a strong female character for Helen Hunt, who's basically, that's her MO in the 90s. Even in that movie with Mel Gibson, What Women Want, yeah. it's basically the same character that she plays here. Somebody who's brought in, in a new era. She's super intelligent, super capable, and all the guys feel friend by her. But what I really like about this movie, that it's not just a detective story for the sake of setting. There are plot points here, like, obviously, Helen Hunt's character has an affair with Dan Aykroyd, and Dan Aykroyd is leading her on, saying he's going to leave his wife. And, of course, Woody has his own 
you know, bundle of baggage that he's after a divorce, he just goes for the easy young type of girls like cocktail waitresses and whatnot. Oh, speaking of which, one cast member we forgot to mention, Elizabeth Berkeley from Saved by the Bell, who's another little flighty secretary. She's there for the eye candy as well. It was very, I forgot she was even in this movie. Seeing her in this movie was like, Woody, you couldn't just stop with Charlie's film. You had to get a, a, a backup. And I'm not going to lie, a good second choice, even though she doesn't do a lot in the movie. Yeah, oh, definitely, she's a good second choice. Uh, didn't she do? Uh, what was that movie she did? The stripper one. <laughs> Showgirls. Showgirls. Yeah, like this. This was her warm up to Showgirls, right? Like, uh, see, that's what I like about Woody. I think this was uh, after Showgirls, though. I'm pretty sure this was after Showgirls. Way after. For real? Yeah, yeah. I think Showgirls is like a '90s movie. This is when 2000s now, 2001. So yeah. Oh yeah, I keep forgetting. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah, sure. Showgirls is 1995. Hmm. So I guess that didn't really pay off considering she's a really small supporting character in well this. To, side, to sidetrack for a minute I, i'm sorry i gotta derail and say this her career showgirls was like humiliating for her like now there's we look at it uh, we look at it ironically now and her you know the screenings of the movie and she's got a lot of fame for it but back then people were like you portrayed herself as an actress it's the anti-feminist movie she sold out so for Woody to see her I mean why would Woody cast her it's just Woody you're a pervert come on you saw Showgirls yeah, I gotta get to win in the movie because at this point no one gave a fuck about Elizabeth Berkeley. so for him to put her in the movie Woody Allen as well I'm like come on Woody it's pretty, pretty obvious why you put her in the movie and he did objectify to a point in the movie could have done worse but as an actress I don't know what she had to offer for him to hire her I know I'm being harsh but I'm just saying it looks like he only hired her for one reason. And that's fine. You you are really, like, hijacking this whole discussion now. I think it's where I was like, okay, Showgirls, it's a terrible freaking movie. It, it's freaking awful. But she was good in this. I mean, she was charming. She was young. She was bubbly. and She was good. Yeah, she had a good chemistry. Because that's the thing, that these guys are an asshole. So Woody's painting the picture that, yes, in the 1940s, Women had a rough time establishing an independent career and they were objectified at workplace mm -hmm. and men pinched them in the ass and it was a funny discussion, you know, and, you know, they were ripping jokes about it. But these guys doing it with just enough to know that, A, there's a change coming, B, it's wrong, and C, there's still a charm to it. So Helen Hunt's character does a lot to, you know, really highlight that. And every other character is a great setup for her to shine and say, you know, look at these dumb motherfuckers, you know. Of course, I'm going to basically run circles around them. But at the same time, with Elizabeth Berkeley's character, it's like a fun office dynamic. And I'm sure it wasn't fun for every woman. And a lot of women would have killed to work with guys like that who are actually funny and, you know, treat her semi-nice. And, and, you know, it, it's just a pleasant pleasant experience versus being harassed. Like, everybody this freaking week, not to derail again but ben affleck man you know don't talk about people when your brother's a sex offender as well that's not a good look <laughs> just a little and when you're you're caught on camera groping people too you know just a little just a little little tip right there but anyway let's get to the good part why i like about this movie so much because if you know i love detective stories when i was a kid I always loved every detective episode or every cartoon, whether it was uh, the Looney Tunes where Daffy Duck was doing um, Dick Tracy, Duck Tracy, when it was um, Tom and Jerry. I thought you hated the Pink Panther. Okay, but... <laughs> I just, I just it's not a detective story. This is a slapstick comedy. I know, I'm talking I know. about everything else. I, mean, I, I, even, I even like sitcoms. A any, any movie or any cartoon that had a detective episode, I loved and one of the 
Adam West Batman, obviously. Yeah. And one of the main reoccurring plot lines was hypnosis. Yes. When the main character, the main hero, gets hypnotized. I'm not sure where it started. It was a very popular story, obviously, back in the day. And, you know, Woody with his age. This is a nostalgia for, trip for him as well, going back to the 40s. So I'm sure as a kid, he enjoyed plenty of uh, fiction. Revolving. He did use this in Alice, so he's going back to stuff he already uh, used. Well. But Alice is a shit movie. That's, that's, that's the difference. <laughs> he, took, he took the best element of that movie, which was the hypnosis, and used it in this movie. Yeah, but but this feels more like an actual plot point, crime, crime mystery. Like sure. their hypnosis was just like you know, just a, a weird thing that happens to her to bring the magic element in. Here, this is a proper adaptation of a of a classical detective story, which is. That since Helen Hunt and Woody Allen's characters, so Detective Briggs and uh, Miss Fitzgerald, don't like each other. When they go out with the company to watch a magic show, the magician asks them on stage as a joke to get hypnotized and kind of change their relationship. So basically, he convinces them in the state of hypnosis. They're, they're madly in love with each other. And it really works on stage. They suddenly start gushing over each other and want to make love right there in front of everybody and then the magician lifts the spell and they go back to normal and they don't remember anything but here's the plot twist see the magician himself is a bit of a con artist and right the same night he calls up Woody's character and reenacts the hypnosis with all the special keywords to basically trigger the trance again on the phone and order him around like a puppet to commit crimes for him. And then, of course, he becomes the prime suspect. And I gotta say, man, I'm not even gonna go further deep into it. A, because we already talked about just about every other topic except the movie. (laughs) But also because this is a really good mystery film. I mean, it's not like Seven, you know, nobody's... It's not David Fincher. But for what Woody wanted to do, I thought... The movie performed well. The setting was great. The attention to detail, the clothes. You really believe that this is a crime story unraveling in the 1940s. It was still a Woody Allen movie. There was plenty of funny lines, the characters playing off of each other, but also just the crime mystery element. It was interesting to see it unfold and the twists and turns in the plot. And it really felt like a true adaptation of what was probably a, you know, a crime fiction story from the 1940s. Simon, usually we don't see eye to eye, but this time we pretty much do. I'm not afraid to tell you, man, this was actually, and I know this is going to sound like overpraise, but there's a there's a, a darker side to what I'm about to say. This was one of my top five Woody Allen movies, favorite Woody Allen movies from back in the day. Now, re-watching it, I already knew that I had rose-tinted glasses and that when I was watching the movie, it wouldn't work as well, and maybe, I don't know. So, I'm more critical now. So, watching it again now, I do see problems with the movie, but the thing that I the thing that I love about this movie is the banter. The banter between Woody Allen and Helen Hunt is just great. They hate each other and the lines are going back and forth and they just hate each other with such vitriol. It's hilarious. And seeing Woody, this frail old man, say, I just want to smirk you and this is one of Woody's best dialogue-driven movies just as a, these two going off each other. It really is. It, it reminded me of Annie Hall, actually. I was like man, you haven't wrote something this funny between a female and a male character in a long time. Yeah, 100%. I, to be honest with you, the reason why I like the banter more here than in Annie Hall is just because 
this woman hates him. Isn't any who it was like a relationship? They liked each other. It was a bit of a back and forth. They were in a romantic relationship. This is just a feud. These two do not like each other. And the way she is assaulting him with insult is so funny. Now, my problem with the movie is everyone's problem with the movie. Like we watching it now, and to be to be honest with you, I've actually made this complaint from the last couple of movies that Woody's been in front of the camera. Woody's just getting to an age where he's not believable as a leading man and it's he has the acting chops and he's got the comedy but to be honest with you on screen in this movie he just looks out of place and it's a shame because he's he's got the energy he's acting well i'm not trying to be ageist but when i was watching the movie i was just like woody i love you and you're doing a good job but this movie would have went a lot further if it was just someone else and to be honest with you watching this movie I do still love the movie, but I can see why people just... People laugh at Woody Allen when they see this movie. I laugh at him, not at his performance. They're like, this guy's so old. How's he pull it off? And watching it, I was kind of like, yeah, Woody, because there's scenes in the movie where he's got a... I know it's, it's played it for comedy, and I know I'm being critical in a very realistic way. Nah, you're just being the Grinch again. The okay, Woody Grinch. All right, all right, all right, fine enough. But let me just say my piece. There's, you know, when he's got to perform this crime... It's, it's this old man that's got to rob these jewels and nobody's at the scene. I'm like, what do you could have wrote this? If you're going to do this with your character, you could have wrote this in a way that it isn't, it's very convenient. Like the, the magician himself, he's got a great idea. But for the whole movie, he makes Woody and Hannah uh, take the jewels to their house until the very end of the movie. And it's just convenient for the movie to end there. Like, why would you make them pull it in the house for God knows how long? And then the only time he asks to meet them is when shit is the fact. It makes no sense. I was just like... Well, because he wanted Woody to commit... I don't want to like go into the whole plot, but there were multiple robberies. And then because the hypnosis probably only lasts for so long, you know, consistently, you need to kind of calculate it in with the night. So it's better to stash away stuff, you know, and let the investigation play out and you know keep yourself away from you know suspicion and then only at the very last minute get all the goods at once from one secure location what you're saying makes sense but i don't think the movie wrote it in the right way the way you said it is how it was executed but it just wasn't exactly believable like near the end of the movie i'm not getting into it and i want to change the subject in a minute near the end of the movie is the only time where he tells us to put it in a locker I'm like, why did you wait this long? Because things are getting hot for Woody Allen, so he's got to take it out of the house. I'm like, why did you do it in the fucking first place? <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And then at the end, Woody Allen confronts him without a gun. <laughs> he tries to talk him into, you're not going to shoot her. I'm like, it's played for comedy, don't get me wrong. But Woody Allen, he, he, honestly, he's just kind of too old for the role. And I was like, great dialogue, Woody. And you and Helen are killing it, but everyone else, they have minimal to do in the movie. Again, I just feel like Woody could have spread his genius among the other characters because on him alone, he's he's the best and worst thing in the movie. He's just, when I'm looking at him, I'm just like, Woody, you're just, you're too old for this part. And I love you, man. It's funny, but you just, you're not a leading man. And I like the fact, even at a point, she's arguing like, you're old, you're ugly. She's even telling him in a, in like a, a self-aware way that why would they even want you? You're too old. You do all this other stuff. And I'm like, yeah, Woody, why? You just couldn't help but put yourself in a movie. And I love this movie in a way, but to me, 
if this was Leonardo DiCaprio on his part, or even if it was Hugh Grant, spent <laughs> more time with Cookson, any, oh, no, any, no, anyone don't, else. Don't put, don't put Hugh Grant in this, please. In fact, don't put Hugh Grant in anything. I wouldn't have liked it, but the star power would have helped because everybody reading the reviews, everybody doesn't like this movie because of Woody Allen. They just can't buy him in the role. And although I love the movie, I can see it. I can see that he's the problem. I don't know, man. I didn't felt that way at all. Maybe because we watched so many Woody Allen movies in succession, but I think him being the punchline of all these jokes is part of the movie. Like every character, Charlie Theron's character, who's, you know, plays the dame, you know, the mysterious woman who's just very sexual and, you know, kind of intriguing and very flirtatious straight out of any other old school detective movie. Even she says, like, usually I love the dark, tall, muscular ties. That's great. But there's but there's something intriguing about, you know, yeah. your your short, scrummy ass in this rundown <laughs> rat hole apartment. <laughs> it's just funny. It's that like, was hilarious. He's crazy. And yeah. really, like, most of those girls are crazy in these movies. They're, like, addicted to opium or something. I mean, it, it fits with the plot. And I thought Woody Allen was really funny. And just seeing him in the detective code, was just funny in itself. Yeah, but funny for the wrong reasons. It's funny because he looks out of place. I, I disagree. I, and I know Woody always says that he struggles with um, playing different type of characters because he, he's just naturally funny and he's always afraid that audiences will not take him seriously. But to me, that added to the fun of the movie that he he's dressed like a classic detective. It's like, you know, when, when you're a kid and you play detective, you put on the long coat and the hat and yeah. suddenly you become a detective. You don't have to act. And that's how it felt like. It's like Woody Allen in a detective coat. Yeah, he, you're just saying everything that I agree with. It's just that we're on, we're just seeing it from different perspective. It's like he's playing the character and it's not real. I know you're saying it's funny because of that and you bought it. I'm saying it's funny and I didn't buy it, but it's still funny. Because I look at it as a cartoon. Because obviously yeah. the main, the main out of all the subplots, the main, even with the times t- changing of the 1940s, which is a, a the realistic angle and kind of the social critique on society and you know sexism angle of the movie. The main plot point is silly. It's hypnosis. Yeah. It's the idea that you know this Jade Scorpion or Scorpio, however we want to refer to it, this <laughs> basic piece of jewelry. <laughs> You can actually dangle in front of someone and have complete control over them. Yeah. And actually, you know, the handsome man of all handsome men, Wallace Shawn, if you remember that guy, who always played, Woody described him as the most anti-sexual person ever, you know, in uh, Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that guy. He's a really, uh, he's a really nice guy, you know. He's a really nice guy. Yeah, he, he's a really nice guy, really good actor. He was also the voice of... I guess a superhero in uh, radio days. Yeah. So far, Woody always cast him as like, you think you're going to get this macho, you know, Harrison Ford looking guy or, or Paul Newman looking guy. And it's a, it's a Wallace Shawn. But here he plays one of the other like detectives, I guess, or other yeah. guys who work at the firm. And he just happens to know hypnosis as well. Cause apparently, you know, in this universe, just like in a cartoon, hypnosis is very simple. Any psychiatrist or magician can do it. And then you just got to say the magic word. And I step my fingers three times in a row and you're a trapeze artist, you know, or something like that. It, it's very classic and it's done in a refreshing way. I think Woody being the t- detective was good for him to act. I really enjoy when he's pushing himself as an actor. I always want to see him do more dramatic roles, but even here, just him writing crime story and going with it and actually 
actually finishing it off. Not like, uh, what was it, Manhattan Murder Mystery? Where there was a crime story element to it, but the relationship angle kind of took front center. I would have liked Manhattan Murder Mystery a lot more if it had this dialogue. You see, that's what I'm. This, that's a very good comparison, actually, because they're very similar movies, except for exactly going back to my disdain for that movie. The crime was meh, and the dialogue dying. Anyway, I'll get back to that in a minute. But yeah, you, you brought a good point by bringing it up. Yeah, I just think this is a superior film for me. Sure. And I can't stress it enough. To me, it's a cartoon come to life. It's its own universe. It's in its own world, but its own rules. I don't understand why people have such a hard time buying Woody Allen as this character, especially that he gives a very good performance, and that the fact that he's exactly not what you would expect he's not humphrey bogart he's not you know robert redford he's not the kind of detective you would expect is the biggest joke Joke. in the movie like everybody keeps going on and on and on about it and that just makes him even more realistic that he's actually this you know schmucky guy who just knows street smart things that actually when you know helen hunt starts kind of suspecting him the only thing like the instinctive thing that tells her maybe this guy's innocent as well because he says you're too scrummy to do anything as ambitious as be a thief you're you're good at sneaking around and doing scrummy things you know you're not you're not really the romantic burglar type let me me tell you something man just us talking about the dialogue is so great i think this movie would have made such a great play you could just watch the actors do the scenes and it's really funny and actually that's a criticism i want for the cinematography because although it's set it's a period piece he doesn't actually do that much there's a few you know when you're at the show that looks good and the offices but he doesn't really all his others even like uh sweet and low down we got to see the time he went to so many shows this one we only went to the offices a few times in the show mm, so to me this would have been a better play and uh, you know i want to you've done a lot of the talking there and i, I kind of do want to wrap this up this movie would have been an absolute classic if it was made in the 70s with Diane Keaton. If this was the movie he made in the 70s as a Woody and Diane Keaton vehicle, this would have been a fantastic movie. Right now, people like his fallbacks. They didn't like this one. I don't know why, because I thought it was funny, but I can see the criticisms. But people do love these kind of movies, like, you know, the classic one, 1940s as well, and the reference I was going to bring up is a movie called The Shop Around the Corner, which is a Mm -hmm. movie about people that hate each other. They have to work together, and ultimately they fall in love, and... If you don't know what that movie is, the updated version of that movie is You've Got Mail with Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. So people love these kind of rom-coms. I like them. They don't make them as much anymore. They're classic. Man, uh, uh, what is this? Are you reading your uh, Plenty of Fresh profile now on the air? Is that, Are you reaching out for love? What, 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 what is this side of you, this sensitive side? You want, you're sitting at home watching all these romantic comedies? Motherfucker, you that romantic comedies too. Why are you trying to single me up? <laughs> I, I just, I'm just throwing you under the bus. That's exactly all I'm doing. I'm like, do you want some ice cream with that misery? Yeah, I'm not falling for your shit right now, Simon. Let me finish my spiel. So, bottom line, I, I'm surprised people ridicule Woody Allen for this movie. But to be fair, and as we're about to see, this is going to be one of Woody Allen's last leading role movies where he's in front of the camera as a main character. Because even he started to realize that, you know, my time is over and I need to just cast characters. And at this point, I think he's 65 or something. Hey, man, I love the fact that this is one of his last leading male, uh, leading role movies. People laugh at him in the wrong way about this movie. I still like this movie a lot, but I can see there's problems with it. It's not as great as I remember it, but it's the 
the dialogue is fantastic. This would make a better play, and I still think this would be a classic if it was made with Diane Keaton back in the day. But as it is now, it's really good. Helen Hunt is great. She's absolutely great. The cast are very good. The plot is really clever. It's a shame this is really looked down upon and frowned upon as one of his worst movies. Speaking of which, if you go on to IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, low, low fives, people just said, Woody Allen, you need to take a back seat and get behind the camera. I don't think it deserves as much hate as it's got. This movie made me laugh, but I can see the problems. Uh, this is another evidence to people are dumb. That's it. That's the explanation for you. Mystery solved. People are stupid. <laughs> like, one criticism I agree with, and it's not real criticism. It's kind of like just a, it, it, just something, you know, you feel like, damn, missed opportunity. Which is that, I guess, because the budget was only $33 million, where you said the star power could have come in handy to get a bigger budget, which, you know, there might be tr some truth to that, that they couldn't recreate the city. I mean, if he would have done, like, a montage he did in... Manhattan, or uh, what was it? Hannah and her sisters, mm. where really you see the city and you see it in all its beauty, especially that Woody loves New York, and this is set in New York in the 1940s. And radio days, he did a lot of you know scenes shot in the radio days as well. Yeah, but like uh, you know, with detective music, it kind of has set up the tone, the city. There was a lack of good music here as well, to be and that's unlike Woody. There was I actually just watched this twice, and I was surprised that he didn't really have any film noir piece to set the mood, because you know Charlene Theron's character is a is a femme fatale, a classic film noir character. Even though they had their scene there, which was really great, by the way, and actually I should oh, yeah. I should speak about Charlie's Theron, my perspective. I like her here. I like the fact Woody Allen hired her again. And I do want to take back something I said because in Celebrity, I thought he hired her on a whim. But after he rehired her here and he gave her a more of a chance to shine, to be fair, she does equally the same in Celebrity here. I think she's acted just as well. So it wasn't a fluke. And obviously Woody Allen recognized her and also got to stick his tongue in her mouth. So, you know. <laughs> no, that, that, he, he didn't stick his tongue in her mouth. He stuck a key in his mouth in the fucking movie. It, it, it was an on-screen kiss and they edited that. Come on now. You, you, I, I don't even think she was nude when she was supposed to be nude. Sure I think it, sure it, 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 it was done very classy. Like, uh, I just seen, just the other day, I just saw uh, another kind of a good movie you know it's the original version based on the novel you know that movie uh cruel intentions with sarah michelle geller from the and um uh, reese with a spoon oh yeah getting their tongue tongue on yeah 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 yeah. in its way that's like an in, uh, like an underground classic like a cult yeah. classic it, you know it had its movement i think they made two terrible sequels as well even oh, though yeah. the, the movie wraps itself up and it's based on a book but from the 80s there's a version that's true to the book, which is a period piece uh, set in France called Dangerous Liaisons with John Malkovich, uh, Keanu Reeves. And uh, basically in that, a young Uma Furman has a topless scene for no freaking reason. I mean, I guess it's supposed to be erotic, but done in like a tasteful way. But I'm like, if you wanted to do it in a tasteful way, you didn't have to show her. So... I think compared to that, Woody is very respectable. He doesn't do, you know, nude scenes just for the sake of nude scenes here. Like I said, I think every criticism that this movie got is over-exaggerated. I think Woody works fine. I think Charlie Theron is amazing. I'm sorry that we didn't get to see more of the city, maybe with a bigger budget, because that would have reset the tone right. But outside of that, the mystery was fine. The movie was very entertaining. Like you said, the dialogue was great. And even what you said that, okay, if this was made back in the day with um, with my girl, you know, 
blanking on her name right Diane now. Diane Keaton, you're, you're, Diane... You're, you're gorgeous, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's awesome. But with Diane Keaton, I think Helen Hunt was absolute perfect actress for this. I think nobody could have played it better. Wow, I'm surprised, Simon. You're a big man. It's, it's meeting the actual truth. I completely agree, but I didn't want to upset you and say that, though. Well, you already upset me last time with being the Grinch and just downing every freaking movie. But look, she is the perfect actress to, to play this type of character. And I wouldn't want to see the movie done a different way with anybody else. I wouldn't want to see the movie without Woody. I wouldn't want to see the movie without Helen Hunt. I think the supporting cast is great. Definitely don't do it without Charlie Starr holy cow. And But um, yeah, I got nothing to add, man. I don't understand why people hate on this. It's like you watched a bunch of terrible movies in a row and you said, ah, okay. But then you watch a good one. And just because of one thing irritating you, you suddenly flip on it. It just seems like politics to me. I would have loved to have seen Leo. I know, this is ridiculous. I would love to have seen Leo with Woody's dialogue in this movie. He would have never done it. He would have, Don't get me wrong, he would have never done it. Not Leonardo DiCaprio. But just someone of his caliber, again, too much to ask, with Woody's dialogue could have carried it. Because Woody does a great job, but he's not so unique. The dialogue is so strong. I think someone else could adopt it and it could have helped this movie rise a lot more because honestly, this movie is a blight in its filmography to the masses. To Not to me, but I'm just saying it because if I don't say it, some motherfuckers are like, you love this movie, it's a shit movie. <laughs> so, you know, just saying. I disagree. That's fine. And fuck you. Anyway, guys, <laughs> if you watch this movie and you don't know why me and Simon need to have a 40-minute discussion on it, then let us know in the comments down below. But I think everything that needs to be said about this movie needs to be said. We've given it a lot more attention than the reviews on IMDb or Water Tomatoes. Believe you or me. Guys, check those out for yourselves. Simon, I'm going to let you go. So I want to say thank you for joining me on this one as usual. Yeah, no worries. Again, I enjoyed this one. This was a good movie. Yeah, and for all my complaining, we are getting to the point where Woody Allen is more or less permanently going to take a back seat in front of the camera. But the next movie, I'm really interested because Woody Allen's got something to say in his next movie. And that is going to be a long discussion. So guys, stay tuned. Do not forget, we've got the website WoodyAllenRetro.com. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. If you like our content, there's annotations on the screen for all the other stuff we've done here. And we'll leave it at that, guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you on the next recording. Constantinople. Madagascar. <laughs>